family of God. I'm so happy you're here with us to, uh, to brave the final day of winter. Florida's going to see for a while. We got to get our coats <laughs> out this morning. But um, glory, the, <laughs> glory to God. We don't really have to endure much, do we? Um, why don't y'all stand up with me? Let's worship, okay? Lord, we're so happy to be in your presence today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your great and mighty hand, and we want to bless you, Lord. We thank you for your warm, giant heart for us, and we just want to give you all the glory and all the praise today, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's sing Trading My Sorrows. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, how we love you, Jesus. We really came to worship today, amen, right? All right. Thank you, Lord. Oh, how we love you, Jesus. Well, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Yo 
Hallelujah. Yes to abundance. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We know what our heritage is in him. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's nobody like you, Jesus. No, 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 no. Hallelujah, Lord. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he healed me. With the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. And when I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground, oh, it makes me want to shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all of the 
We boast in the Lord today, amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Nothing else matters but you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, how we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord.
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. I was talking to my friend about just taking scriptures and putting my name in those scriptures. And when it says, uh, this is what the Lord will do for you, it's like, this is what the Lord will do for Carol. And it is, it is for me, and um, we're just not having it any other way. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord, and he is worthy of our praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's no one like you, Lord. Oh, how we love you, Jesus. Just feel free to sing your own new song to him today. We're going to be singing around the throne when we see him face to face. Hallelujah, Jesus. All the saints and angels bow before your Crowns before the Lamb. Oh. 
You know, Hagar said, he's the God that sees me. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you feel alone, you are not alone. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, you don't know me. And 
scripture says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And we've been praising him this morning. Now, either his word is true or it's not. <laughs> That's a silly comment, isn't it? We know it's true. Well, if he inhabits the praises of his people, then that means he's here right now. Because you're his people, and we've been praising him. So his presence is here. And the scripture says that in his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures for every more, forevermore. So in the presence of the Lord, do you know that <clears throat> in the presence of the Lord, everything is possible? When, when you're in his presence, there's nothing else allowed, right? <clears throat> so when I'm in his presence like this, I understand that there are things available to me that aren't necessarily, they are, but I don't necessarily have access to them like I do in praise and in his presence. So what I'm inviting you to do this morning is to harvest this atmosphere. What is it that you need? Because he supplies all of your needs, but this fascinates me. He doesn't supply your needs according to your needs. He supplies your needs according to his riches. So that means there's abundance. Now, the scripture also says this, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church, anointing them with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. So there's been some folks that have asked, can can you just pray for us today? And I'm going to ask this morning, starting out, that I want to ask Carol to come up and James to come up. Carol and James are facing some issues. and Carol's had, she just needs prayer. She just wants prayer. Now, the, the scripture says it. If, if you have a need, ask. So I'm going to ask some of the ladies to gather around Carol. And then around the ladies, I'm going to ask the elders of the church. If you're an elder, if you feel like you have a gifting for anointing to pray, then I want you to gather around the ladies. Let the ladies form the inner circle. So Carol, step out a little bit in the middle and then let them be able to surround you. And then I'm just going to ask for us to just surround Carol in prayer today. And Jim. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. When you pray, don't pray simple prayers. Pray extravagant prayers. God is the God of the impossible. With God, the angel said to, to Mary, with God, nothing is impossible. So this morning when we pray, when we pray, pray impossible prayers. <laughs> Ask largely, the scripture says. You understand that? So you don't have to restrict yourself and worry about, well, I don't want to take all the prayer away because somebody else deserves it. No, God's got enough for you and everybody. <laughs> So let's now just take a few minutes and let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want you to pray out loud. I'm not going to have an individual pray, but I'm going to have all of you pray. I'm going to turn my mic down and I want you to just ask largely now in Jesus' name. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Steve, because we have a power circle here. And where is, where is Linda Schumacher? Linda's probably busy. I want to ask Linda to come out here and get in this power. You've heard of fire tunnels? Well, we don't have a fire tunnel, but we have a fire circle. Come on, Linda. We're going to pray over Linda. Linda's going through issues in her life, too. And you know, it's not important for you to know details. You understand that? If you know details, then you're going to feel sympathy. Jesus was never moved with sympathy. He was moved with compassion. The difference between, between those is compassion sees a person in, imprisoned and delivers them. Sympathy just, oh, you know. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come around Carol right now and around Linda, thank you. <laughs> and we pray for my memory, too. Around Linda and Dave, anointing them with oil in obedience to your scripture. And we pray the prayer of faith over Linda right now in the name of Jesus. We speak to her body and we release life in the name of Jesus. We come against every affliction, every attack of the enemy, every uh, thing that causes things to be unnormal. We arrest those in Jesus' name. We bind them and we cast them down, everything that tries to raise itself against the obedience of Christ. And we speak your life and your healing into Linda's body right now. Now, if you have a need this morning and you need prayer, I want you to come. Come. Don't be shy. Just come on in here. We're going to, we're going to, uh, this is something that we just need today. We need to take some time. There's no point in coming to church if we don't take time for people's needs. So if you have a need, come. This is your time. Don't, don't delay. Hallelujah. Come, come, come. If you need a need, come in close here because we're going to get around you. You know, the Lord, we need Renee. Who else is here for prayer? Just put your hand up so I know, okay? So put your hand up so we know who needs the prayer. And you, come on in. We need, we need more prayer warriors. Fred, get up here. I, I want you to just gather around in Jesus' name. And we're going to go to battle. You don't have to. You don't have to have some kind of a special anointing. The Holy Spirit just wants people to flow through. You're a tabernacle, temple of the Holy Spirit. Let's go, let's go to prayer and ask largely in Jesus.
we miss? Did we miss somebody? Okay. Come on up, brother. Can you get can you get um, Sister Fox up here? Hallelujah. Was your what was was there a lady with you? All right. Come come around. Come around. Fellas, come around our brother here. Fred, squeeze up. All right. This is okay. We we we're not in a hurry. Hallelujah. All right.
Now, sometimes people are a little shy and a little reserved, and I understand that because I'm kind of that way too. And if you've been sitting there a little apprehensive and reluctant because you just didn't want to make waves, can I just see a twitch of a finger? I'm going to be like an auctioneer. If you need prayer, we don't want you left out. We want to make sure everybody gets prayed for today. Anybody at all? In the back. All right, let's get around this lady in the back. Yes. <coughs> Just stand up so people can get around. Right next to Marcia there. <coughs> Liz, you got the, no, the oil? Just join in prayer. Just join in prayer with them while they pray. Just reach out to God while they're back there. God is good. There's really not a lot of point to coming to church if it's just some kind of a religious ritual and you sit there and listen to some guy pontificate. We, we're here because we need to meet with Jesus. We, we need him. Without him, we, without him it's just, there's just, life is pointless, amen? So uh, we, we just have to, We love the Lord, don't we? We love his presence. I was looking for a verse here because, <clears throat> and I don't know if I can find it, but in the book of Job of all places, there's a, a verse there that says that God uses, you know, some of these Old Testament people amaze me. They've got more revelation and insight than New Testament people with the Bible have sometimes. <laughs> it just amazes me. But Job said that, it's through the cleanness of our hands that he works. And you think to yourself, well, my hands aren't very clean. But you know, when Jesus 
is when, you know, there's a portion in the scripture that talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon people and the, the way it talks about the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you, he puts you on like a glove. <laughs> Can you imagine that? The Holy Spirit puts you on like a glove. Well, when he does that and you lay hands on somebody, it's not you. It's him. That's why he tells us to do that stuff. You are his hand extended. So it would be really nice if Jesus would show up in the flesh and lay his hands on you. Wouldn't that be nice? But he decides to do it through you. So when hands are laid on you, it's like Jesus putting his hand on you. That's, that's how much he trusts you with the anointing. He trusts you that much with the anointing. And now here's, here's something that you can do sometime. Suppose you're alone. Suppose it's in the middle of the night. Suppose you're somewhere where there's nobody around to talk to and, and you, need, you need somebody to pray for you. Well, guess what? You have a hand, don't you? Does it work if you lay your hands on yourself? Absolutely. Because it's the Holy Spirit in you. So you can lay your hand on yourself and you can begin to pray and it's as good as if anybody else did it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <coughs> so, Lord, I just reach out to you because there's been some people that have, that have called in over the Internet today. There's Anaya and Prince, Corwin and Shirley's children that need a touch in their body. I pray, Lord Jesus, right now that you will just sweep into that place because time and distance are not an obstacle to you. You, you told the centurion, go your way. Your servant is made whole. And time and distance didn't affect your healing power to move. And so it, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we just reach right into Corwin and Shirley's house right now. And we, uh, we Holy Spirit, raise them up in Jesus' name. Let your presence fill that place. And every affliction and every sickness and disease that's on them, we break that off in the name of Jesus as they're listening right now to us for Anaya and for Prince, those tonsils in Anaya. Lord, we just, we just declare your healing into those things right now and that pain in that throat to subside and go right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, there's others that we don't know about. There are people that are struggling with all kinds of things, with grief and sorrow. For instance, the Melton family, we pray for them today because Dale graduated to glory this week. And we're thankful for that. But Rob and his mom and the rest of the family, I pray for your divine strength upon them right now that they will sense your presence and sense heaven closer than ever before. As you welcome those into your kingdom, you've welcomed Dale in this week, but Lord, I pray for your comfort, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, because Lord, you said you'd send the comforter. So Holy Spirit, I pray for your presence to fill that place in such a way that they've never sensed it before. Fill it with your joy and your presence and your goodness. And Lord, there's others that slip my mind that I don't even have an awareness of, but you do. You know them 
not only do you know about it, but you know every intimate detail. And so, Lord, I can't suggest to you anything better than you know yourself. So, Lord, we simply carry them to you in prayer and pray, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, let's raise a voice of victory and let's say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good, he's so good, sorry Steph, to me, I should have picked the key you were in, but I didn't, hallelujah, you know when Stephanie plays while we're praying, it's kind of like when David was playing and the Holy Spirit came upon him, you know that just drives, an anoint, anointed music drives out the enemy, doesn't it? Well, Liz, you've got some things to talk about, don't you? Okay, come on up. Is there a mic? Here's a mic. Okay, so just a couple housekeeping things. As you know, next week is our missions convention, and we'll be having a covered dish dinner afterwards. So um, some of the, the people have decided to put the um, the clipboard on the back table back there by Marcia instead of passing it around. So if you didn't, um, oh, where is it? Oh, there, outside in the lobby on that table. Okay, thank you, John. Um, so that was a great idea. It will probably, you know, be a, a thing that we'll do from now on. So if you didn't sign up yet, please sign up back there. We want everybody to come if you can. You're welcome to wear um, a, a special outfit from another country if you want to or if not, you can represent the United States. We need that, too. So, um, so please remember that that's next week, and, um, and please uh, plan to be here with us. Also, uh, Easter is coming up the second week, the second Sunday of uh, April, and we need to make some candy bags for the kids. So if anyone would um, feel the Lord lay it on your heart to buy some candy and bring it with you in the next couple weeks so that we can have it here and get that prepared ahead of time, that would be wonderful. You've done that in the past, and we really appreciated it. So um, in the past, we've said no no chocolate, but it really doesn't matter now because we don't put it inside. We don't put the candy inside the eggs anymore. It stays in the building. It's not going to melt. It's all good. So whatever you would like to get is, is perfect, and that's it. Oh, God bless you. is in the lobby. When you go out the door, it's going to be to the left, and you're just going to walk right out the door and not see it. So why don't you move it out into the middle of the room a little bit, John, and then they'll have to almost trip over it, <laughs> and they'll sign up. I'm just kidding. I don't want you to trip over it, but but maybe make it a little bit more visible because you'll what you'll do is you'll get so enthralled with the service today, you'll just walk out and forget about it. 
so it might be good to just get it a little bit more visible for everybody, okay? Hallelujah. Wow. The presence of the Lord is great in here today, isn't it? I love his presence more than anything. I'd rather have his presence more than I'd have anything. Well, we want to give to the Lord now, and we're going to make our declaration. And if you're, if you're at home and you're watching online in any way, you can participate too with us. There are ways that they're going to show you online how you can do that. And in the meantime, we're going to give today too. So take what it is that you want to give or whatever you want to make a declaration over. Amen? I doubt whether you have it with you, but what if you had your mortgage payment and you put your hands on it and said, Lord, I'm going to just declare uh, debts paid off in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? Oh, I ought to get the church mortgage payment and try that. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we ought to do that some week. We ought to just bring that up and let everybody lay hands on it. That's a thought. Anyway, I want you to make your declaration with me. Are you ready? As we receive today's offering, I am believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, for raises and bonuses, for benefits and salaries and commissions, for favorable settlements, for estates and inheritances, for interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, and blessings increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I'll have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We release that to you in Jesus' name. Would you come and give now? As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will fill me. Come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will fill me.
Now let's, let's sanctify this and give it to the Lord, shall we? Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up this, the conversion of the life and energy that we've spent into a tangible source and means, and we give it to you now. We sanctify it and separate it for your use and for your service. And Lord, I pray according to your word, which says, Give and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Lord, you said you would supply our needs according to your riches. And so now I pray, Lord, for the windows of heaven to open, and you pour out a blessing on those who have given today that they'll not even be able to contain it. That's your word, Lord, and we stand upon your word and we release your promise now to your people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. We bless the children's ministry as they prepare to go into the next room. And we bless the workers, the faithfulness, the faithfulness, and the young people. Hallelujah. Does your mind ever go back to your youth? Do you recall things of your youth? Uh, it was a long time ago for some of us, wasn't it? <coughs> but it's going to go fast for them too, and they need an anointing for the world that they'll live in. They will live in a world uh, probably pretty different than the one we grew up in, and things will change. We'll probably not be here to see a lot of their life, obviously, unless you're going to live to be 120. How many are going to live to be 120? Oh, we got at least four people here. Will you tell me what it's about, will you? I'll be in that cloud of witnesses. I, of course, I might do it too. I might just do it too. I might hang around. But the thing is, uh, I'll probably be too critical. You know, I won't be able to stand the music and the styles. And I'll just be a, you know, so maybe that's why God says, okay, it's time for you to go. You just can't take it. But he, isn't it amazing? He just doesn't, he never changes. He's got a fresh anointing for every generation. Had one for yours, had one for your grandparents. And he's got one for this generation too. Oh my goodness. And it's going to be, it's a good one too. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. Thank you for your power to be witnesses. We thank you for your comfort, your strength. Now open up our ears to hear what you have to say to your church today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, by the way, it's so good to see Brother George here and your family. Did they shrink? There were more a few minutes ago. Oh, they went to Children's Church. We're so always so delighted to have you with us, and God bless you. Hallelujah. He's like Abraham. He keeps going up and back. 
looking for a place, but we're thankful that he comes to see us. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness, you guys, you're all going through struggles, aren't you? But do you know that the, the trying of your faith works patience? And let patience have her perfect work. Do you understand? You might think that it's, tr it's tough going through what you're going through, but as soon as God gives you a promise, Satan's going to try to, he's going to try to speak contrary to that promise. Remember when Jesus was just, the Father came like a dove, the Holy Spirit came and, and the Father came and said, when Jesus was being baptized, he said, this is my beloved son. And then Jesus immediately went out into the wilderness for 40 days. And what was the very first thing the devil said to him? If you are the son of God. So see, Satan always challenges the promise that God gives you. So don't be surprised about it. Don't be surprised about it. Just know who you are. Be comfortable with who you are. Be confident with who you are and let patience have her perfect work so that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Patience is perfect. Do you like perfection? Of course you do. When you buy something, it's kind of hard to find perfection anymore, even if they give you the warranty. Of course, at my age, everything has a lifetime warranty. How about you? <laughs> There comes a time when it's everything does. But patience, let patience have her perfect work so that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That's a pretty good position to be in. But you don't get there unless you, unless you have patience. But with, there's, there's a testing and, and, uh, um, Testing that comes with the promise. So just anticipate it. Don't worry about it. Just plow right through it. Amen? We are going to make it. We have been given all the resources. I told you last week, we've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. So you have it. You have it. Accessing it is a different story because some of us don't quite have a full understanding of that, so we don't necessarily access it all. Right? Just like that smartphone that you have. It's smart, but you don't even access half the stuff. In fact, most of it I turn it off because I don't want to access it. <laughs> right? <coughs> and I'll tell you another thing, just if this is a freebie. When you go to bed at night, don't take your phone into your bedroom. Leave it somewhere else in the house. Amen? You don't want people listening in hearing you praise and pray and snore and whatever else. Just, you know, something, let, find a place where you can be alone for a change. Amen? Those things are listening all the time. Amen? Well, praise God. You got a Bible with you? I hope so. I'm going to talk to you about some verses today that aren't necessarily new to you. You're going to recognize these verses. They're all verses you've known about. But that's okay. Speaking of patience, though, before I get into that, do you have a, do you have a Bible? Go to, the, go to the book of Luke, chapter 
12, verse 19. Trib remember I told you tribula tribulation works patience? Well, here's what you need to do. You need to, with patience, possess your soul. In patience, possess your soul. Luke 21, 19. That's a good thing. <coughs> Let me just say this. Is it 12? I thought it was 21. Did I? I oh, it's 21.19. It's my dyslexia. In patience, possess your soul. I've told you this before. I'll tell you it again, just so that you can get a little understanding of this verse. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So that means your body has the capacity to hold spirit. It's a spirit container. Now, the Holy Spirit is not just a tiny little thing. The, s the Spirit of God is, is huge. But when he fills you, he fills you with the fullness of his Holy Spirit. In Christ lived the fullness of the Godhead bodily. How can you fit the Holy Spirit inside your body? I don't know. But I do know that your body has a capacity to hold a lot of spirits. Remember that fellow who there were enough spirits to fill 2,000 pigs? That was a lot of spirits in one human body. So I know that your body has a capacity to hold the spirit. Don't understand it, but that's what the scripture says. So to the same degree that your body contains your spirit, your brain contains your mind. And your mind is another word for your soul. So you're a body, soul, and spirit. So th to the same degree that you don't understand the capacity of your body to contain spirit, you don't understand the capacity for your brain to contain your soul. That's why you don't lean on your understanding. You don't lean on the understanding of your brain because in there is your soul. And God breathed into man and he became a living soul. See, so there's something about you, there is a capacity in you that far outweighs your intellect. <laughs> Aren't you glad that you can't, you can't figure God out? If, go, if you could figure God out, he would be a pretty small God because he'd have to fit inside your little pea of a brain. But God is bigger than that. His ways are higher than his, your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But yet he entrusts you with his spirit and so when when you read this verse it says in patience possess your soul so your mind your soul possess it with patience don't get frustrated because you can't understand everything trust trust what god says about you and trust that he say he's the savior of your soul and with patience, possess your soul. Understand what he's done for you and re relax. That's what it means to rest in him. Rest in him. Don't stress all the time. Stress is not good. And stress is not of God. God is a God of rest. You, Satan's, Satan stresses. That's why when you rest, the devil doesn't know what to do with you. He doesn't understand that. When you just rest in the Lord, the devil doesn't know what to do because he wants to make you always stressful, high strung, all stretched out, full of anxiety. 
And do you know where God is right now? He's seated upon his throne. He always operates from a position of rest. The only time he stands, there was one, there's a couple times we've heard where he, sti- where he stood up. And do you know what one of those times was? He stood up when he saw Stephen about to be received. He stood up in honor because he respects what we're going through. But other ordinarily, but it wasn't a standing up out of stress. It was a standing up out of respect. But he is seated. And, and you know where Jesus is? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And, and guess where you are? You're seated together with Christ. We're, we're always operating from a position of rest. Okay? Anyway, so with patience, possess your souls. I'm going to skip on from some of that, and I want to take you to the book of Hebrews. There are some verses that have been just sort of fascinating to me. I've told you over and over again, I can only feed you what I'm eating. If the word of God is not alive and powerful to me, I'm not going to just give you a homily or a speech. So I give you what is happening inside of me. And some people say, well, when do you prepare for your sermon? Well, I don't. I don't ever prepare for a sermon. Because this is a living word that lives inside of me. And I'm always in this book. So the probably the biggest preparation would be, well, what do I focus on? Because there's so much here. We could just talk for eternity. So I have to just kind of wean myself down to something that will fit in a time slot. But anyway, chapter number... 11 of the book of Hebrews. And I'm going to skip to some places. Now, you know already, you that understand your Bible, you're going to understand where you think I'm going, but I'm going to skip over what you know, and I'm going to go to some obscure, not obscure, but maybe less talked about references. But look at verse number 3. I'm not going to start at verse number 1. You all know 1, and we'll go there in a minute, but I want to start with verse 3. Through faith we understand. What is it that we understand? We understand that through faith the worlds were framed. Now you you see that's not a singular, that's a plural. So we have an understanding that the worlds were framed through faith by the word of God. You understand that? So it was by faith that the worlds were made. Now, a lot of us don't understand. I see now I took my finger out of the Bible and I lost Hebrews. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So faith is what created the world. You say, well, God didn't need faith, did he? Absolutely. God loves faith. He is a God of faith. He he created the world by the word of God. In other words, so he spoke. He spoke. Now, you see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So God didn't speak other than what was already in his heart. He had a plan. He had a, now I'm distracted because I lost my place. He had a plan all along, and that was 
that he would create a world, that he would create you, and that he would have all of these things in place. And so you were in his heart before you were created. The world was in his, so he spoke out of his heart, but he spoke out of faith, and the worlds were, the, the, the worlds were framed. You see that? Where am I, in 11? This time I'm going to keep the marker there in case I close it again. Now watch this. So we understand that by faith the world was made. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So God didn't create a world out of what he already had. He created out of things that were not seen. That were, were elsewhere. We read about how in the book of 1 Corinthians how that the things which are not seen are eternal and the things which are seen are carnal or, or uh, perishable. So God makes everything. Now, you and I as human beings, we all that we know, our understanding of, of life is that everything that we make or, or that we possess is made out of something else. It's made out of elements or chemicals or minerals. But everything that we have is made out of something else. And <coughs> all of it is made from, from the earth, from elements that come from the earth. In fact, so were you. Did you know that? Because you were made out of the dust. See, God created the heavens and the earth, but he made man. He didn't, he didn't speak man into existence. He formed us out of the dust of the earth. But where did the earth come from and where did the, where did the worlds come from? They came through faith, got by the faith of God, and he spoke and the worlds were made. So that the things which are seen, everything that you can see, the things which are seen were not made with things that do appear. Everything that you see is made from something that never existed before. Now that's important for a reason here. Watch this. Everything that is seen is made from things that don't appear. So if that's true in the supernatural, there's also a part of this that's true that you need to recognize, and that is that the conflicts and the things that come after you are also products of things that don't appear. Do you understand that there are powers and principalities and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, and they bring into your life things that manifest in the form of illnesses and and do you know do you know that death is not of god the scripture says that the last enemy that will be destroyed is death it's going to be destroyed so things that work hand in hand to bring about death are not of god and they are made of things that do not appear so the same that thing that's true in a positive way is true in a negative way. So there are things that come against you and attack your life that are made of things which do not appear. And so you know what you need to do? You need to be, you need to be deliberate about not forming a partnership with those kinds of things. 
I can't tell you how many times that I've received victory when I've approached it this way, that when a thought comes into my mind or a, uh, an ailment comes into my body, I do not receive it in Jesus' name. Because not everything that I think is what I think. Do you get that? But the problem is that the devil tries to make you think that you came up with that on your own. And sometimes you do, but chances are you didn't. And so you, what you need to have is the mind of Christ. Because in Christ, when Christ gives you some stuff, that's not what you came up with on your own. The, the Lord gave it to you. Hallelujah. So don't form a partnership. You wake up in the middle of the night with some kind of a cockamamie dream. You know what? Don't sit there and try to figure it out, work through that dream. Wake yourself up and say, I'm not going to take that anymore. Get up and get a drink or go to the bathroom or something, but get rid of it. And then go back to bed and start, you know, if, if you don't know what else to do, just start quoting scripture to yourself. Now, the first scripture that comes to your mind, whatever it is, just abide on that and abide on that and and chew on it and chew on it and chew on it and you will end up falling asleep but don't settle for everything that comes down the pike so watch this Abel offered now we're talking about faith here God used faith to create the worlds by faith Abel and I'm going to skip to the end of the verse he obtained, Abel obtained a witness that he was righteous. Abel had some kind of a divine revelation. You see, now he was, he was the son of Adam and Eve. And he <coughs> saw or heard about, he was very close to this thing that happened with Adam and Eve. And he was very much aware of what happened when his mom and dad partook of the forbidden fruit and began to die and he heard the stories about how that they didn't even know that they were naked and God had to clothe them because what they chose for clothing was not very long lasting right because fig leaves don't have a lot of longevity to them so God had to kill something in order to clothe Adam and Eve. And since they didn't know anything about uh, being seamstresses, God took a lamb and made clothes for Adam and Eve. Abel knew this. He, he, in fact, he was probably wearing some of the same kind of clothes that were made from an animal. And so that animal not only had to give up its skin, but it had to shed its blood so that they could be clothed. And Abel had this, Abel had this prophetic, now watch this, you're going to get this out of this verse. Abel had some kind of a prophetic revelation that it was through the shedding of blood that he could become righteousness, clothed with righteousness to the same degree that that lamb's skin clothed his physical body. The shedding of the blood of the lamb was able to clothe him in righteousness. And watch what it says here. He had, he obtained a witness that he was righteous by his gifts. What was his gift? 
he offered to God a lamb because he knew that there was significance in the offering of that lamb because he knew that it was the blood, the shed blood of something that was innocent that would give him righteousness. And so by faith, see, this is a chapter of faith. And the very first person that's talked about in faith is Abel. So by faith, Abel vicariously received the blood of that innocent lamb to cause him to be righteous. You see this? He witnessed that he was righteous, and not only that, but God confirmed it because God testified of his gift. So he had the confirmation of God. He was righteous, and God testified of his gifts. And watch this. Not only that, he knew that by it, although he was dead, he yet speaketh. So he had the sacrifice. And you know, the scripture says that his blood, when, it, when Cain killed Abel, Abel's blood cried out from the earth. And what was it crying out for? It was saying, hey, I'm righteous. I shouldn't have had to die. I want vengeance. And so what happened was several thousand years later, another human was killed by malicious hands. His name was Jesus. And his blood spoke greater things than that of Cain's blood. It tells us that in, the, in chapter number 12, verse 24. Christ's blood spoke better things, than, uh, in Hebrews that is, he, the next chapter over, spoke better things than that of Abel. But here's the deal. Abel, by faith, received righteousness by the gift that he gave, but his brother was all goofed up because all his brother could see was who's given the best gift. He didn't see the significance of what Abel was doing. Abel was... was speaking about the fact that he was made righteous by this, and all Cain could see was, hey, God seems to like him better than me. And so Cain says, well, I'll give God something good too. So he picked the best vegetables and fruits that he could find. And you know, there are some religions today that still offer fruits and vegetables to their God because they think that somehow they've got to appease their God. But this was not in Abel's mind. What Abel's mind was, he was doing this in remembrance of what the, how he could become righteous. His whole motivation was different. Cain was just trying to one-up his brother. And this is the thing, because Abel was operating in faith. What does it say? The things that are seen are not made of things which do appear. So Abel was was attaching himself into an unseen realm, and he wasn't doing things that do appear. He was attaching himself by faith into a realm, into the realm of God. Now watch. Then it goes on, and it talks about Enoch. Enoch's the second. I'm not going to go through all of these, so relax. <coughs> I'm only going to go through two more. Enoch. And we know about what happened to Enoch, but I want you to skip down to the end of verse number five. It says, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He had a testimony that he pleased God. What does it take to please God? Read the next verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So Enoch 
was a fellow who operated in the realm of faith. He operated in the realm of faith. Now, he, all, he also knew the story of Cain and Abel and, Abra and, and Adam and Eve. <coughs> but he also knew about the position that God had originally created Adam and Eve to live in. And that was an eternal position where no death was in a garden that was prepared by God. And watch this. He had a testimony that he pleased God, he lived by faith. In other words, because it was without faith, it's impossible to please him. So Enoch did everything that he did by faith. It didn't make any sense to, from the from an earthly point of view, didn't make a bit of sense. But he had this understanding that I have been, I was originally created with the capacity to walk with God in the spirit. Because that's what Adam and Eve did. They walked with God in the ruach of the day, in the, in the cool of the day. They, they communicated with God in the spirit. Enoch said, I think I'd like to go ahead and, and do that too. And so by faith he did. He began to walk with God in the spirit. So much so that eventually, and it was, this was not his motivation or his intent, but because he sought after God and by faith entered into the presence of God, one day he just wasn't anymore because God took him. He said, well, this guy has opened up and revealed the secret of wanting to have relationship with me. And one day Enoch just ceased to exist in his earthly form. And to this day he's walking with God. This is the intent that God has for you too. You say, well, that was the only time that ever happened. It'll just happen to Enoch. It never happened again. How do you know? I mean, how do you know? There, there's only one book written about one guy that did it, but, but I don't think, I, I would not be a bit surprised if there have been people who walked and talked with God so closely that they just walked into his presence. Now, you say, well, that's impossible. That would never happen. Well, if that's the way you feel about it, then it probably will never happen for you. You see? But that doesn't mean it's not impossible because he walked in faith. And with God, all things are possible. And it's by f and God loves. It's not possible to please God. So he pleased God so much because he walked in faith. So we've got Abel who walked by faith and received... You see, we always talk about Abraham believed and it was counted to him for righteousness. Well, where did Abraham come up with that idea? Because he observed Abel. And he saw that Abel said, believed and it was counted to him for righteousness. So Abraham said, well, if Abel can do it, I can do it. And so we come down here to verse number eight. Abraham, he, you know, and a lot of people think about Abraham was that he was wandering around in the Middle East in the wilderness looking for the promised land. It's not true. He wasn't looking for the promised land. He wandered. He came all the way down from Mesopotamia. He walked right past the promised land. He went all the way down to Egypt. And then he came back. And he just was wandering all around the place. Now, I know there is a place now called Israel, which is some geography. But Abraham wasn't looking for real estate. Watch what it says what Abraham is looking for. Verse number 10 
of chapter 11, it says, he looked for a city with foundations whose builder and maker was God. So do you think he was going to find that on this earth? A city that God built? No, he was looking. His eyes were on heaven. He, he knew about Enoch. He knew about Abel. And he walked by faith. And because of faith, it was counted to him for righteousness. Now, I skipped over Noah. But let's go back to Noah for a second. And then we'll come back. Noah, it says in verse number 8, in verse number 7, right, he became the heir of righteousness by faith. You notice now these people are, are coming into a place of righteousness by faith. Righteousness is where God is. It is we put on the breastplate of righteousness. Remember that verse that says, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteousness is what we seek for. We are in right standing with him. When God looks at you and me, he only sees his son. You and I are supposed to grow up into Christ to the full stature of Christ. And you and I ought to look so much like Jesus that the devil can't even tell the difference if he's looking at you or looking at Jesus. And like somebody said, the only way the devil can tell if it's you or Jesus is when you open your mouth. Because some of us don't talk like Jesus. But if we'd start talking like Jesus, the devil wouldn't even know the difference there. Because that's the position that God wants to put you in, in a place of righteousness. And Noah became the heir of righteousness by faith. Hallelujah. Now, we know about Enoch's translation. We know about Noah's ark. We know about Abraham. But what we're talking about here is something that these people all had in common, and that is this. Through faith, they understood that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen were not made of things which do appear. They knew that the solution to their problems was not going to be with something that was man-made it was God-made and they literally partnered with God and spoke things into existence which were not how does it say that Abraham did this he believed in things that were not as though they were that's what it says now I'm, what I'm trying to tell you about this morning brothers and sisters is this I'm talking to you about things that sound impossible. But you and I need to be people that live in the impossible. God wants you to be people who are people of faith, not people of, you know, just like everybody else in the world. He's designed you with eternity built into you. Even Solomon said that. We have eternity in our hearts. We have the eternal in our hearts. God's built that into you, but we don't access it. We're so concerned about what's all going on around us. Now look at this. All of these people that we've talked about, and more, because Hebrews 11 is full of these people, but watch what it says in verse number 13. All of these people died in faith. Huh, that's really encouraging, isn't it? 
They all died in faith. Do you understand why they died in faith? Because they were looking for a city too. So many people are looking for things to change here in this world. But we're looking for a city who's found, who has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So yes, I would like to not have to die. But I'll tell you what, death is not that big of a deal because it's not really death. Whereas in Adam, all die. In Christ, all are made alive. So you are alive. You'll never die. Now, the body, might, the body may decompose and take on another form, but even it's going to be raised incorruptible. You will never die. Now, watch this. All of these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. These people all saw with eyes of faith. You, 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 need, you need to get rid of all the crutches that cause you to see in the carnal and begin to see in the spiritual. Because everything that you can see with your eyes is carnal. Everything that you can see with your eyes is perishable. It's all going to perish. It's all going to burn. So you and I need different eyes. We need eyes that can see into the eternal, into the spiritual. That's, that's, where, you need to, that's where you need to have your eyes. You know why God, when you sleep at night, you know why your eyes are closed? Because he wants to bring you into a realm that's different than what you can see with your eyes. Do you know God speaks to people in dreams and visions? Have you ever... Have you ever knelt down by your bed at night before you went to sleep and asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I'm going to lay this body to rest right now for the night, but my soul is not tired and my spirit is not tired. So while the body is taking a nap, how about, Holy Spirit, that you just take me to places and take me to places I've never been before. Take me into the presence of the Father. Like Gene was telling me, henceforth you shall ask me nothing, Jesus said. But you shall ask the Father in my name and it shall be given you that your joy may be full. How about that? How about going right into the presence of the Father in Jesus' name? Now you know what happened when Moses was in the presence of God. He went into the presence of God for 40 days twice. And when he was in the presence of God, he didn't eat or sleep. And when he came down, his body was so healthy that he shone like the sun. Because when you're in God's presence, you don't even need sleep. You don't even need food or water. But your body isn't supposed to live after three days without water. But Moses lived for 40. And then he came down and saw the children of Israel for goofing around, feeling, uh, praying to that golden calf. So he turned around and went right back up the mountain for another 40. And Moses was so healthy at the end of those 80 days with God, that finally when it came time for Moses to die, his strength was not dim, his eyes were not, were not dim, and his strength was not abated. God said, you know what, Moses, you're just too healthy. I'm going to have to kill you. 
And so God put Moses in a place and buried him. And to this day, nobody knows where Moses is. And Satan knew that and said, man, if I could just get a hold of that healthy body, I could possess that and live forever. And so, to so, you know, that's why it, that's why it says in the book of Jude, the angels strove for the body of Moses. Because God had to finally say, hey, Mo, you, me, going to have to, we're going to have to do this in secret. Nobody's going to know about this. And you know who, who showed up at the transfiguration, on the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses, healthy old Moses showed up there. So here's the deal. These guys died with the promise, but they were persuaded because they were able to see afar off. They were able to see in the spirit. They were able to see in the supernatural. That's what I want to be able to do. That's, that's one of the things that I desire to do. Do you want to be able to see in the spirit? I don't want to just be able to read somebody's mail. I want to see in the spirit. Now, from time to time, the Lord has given me revelations of when I pray for people, what's wrong with them and stuff like that. And that's that's fine and good. But that's not that's not just seeing in the spirit. That still has to do with the carnal. I want to be able to see in the spirit. Like Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and he was glad. I want to I want to see what God sees. I want to hear what God hears. I want to know what makes him tick. They were persuaded. Look at verse number 13. They but having seen them afar off, they were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. This is what people of faith feel like. For they that say such things declare plainly that he, they seek a country. You see, watch this. this is, we're going to end right here. People that confess these things, they're seeking for a country. And watch this. And truly, if they'd been mindful of the country that they came out of, like if their minds were still on what they came out of, they might have had an opportunity to return. But, you know, God wants, to, wants us to be so aware of where we're going that we don't look back on where he's taken us from. Because it says that the, if these people that could see in the spirit had, if, if their mind was on, if they began to think about where God took them from, they might have had the opportunity had to have returned. You know who that reminds me of? Reminds me of Lot's wife. Doesn't it? Because God brought her out, but her mind was still back on where she came from, and she was mindful to return. And when she turned, that's when everything changed for her. That's when everything stopped. You know, when God has taken you out, when he has saved you and he's brought you forth, he wants you to look forward. No man having put his hand to the plow looks back. If anybody looks back, they're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. If these people would have been mindful, they might have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly now, it's not just them that we're talking about. This ought to be your motivation, too, that you desire a better place. Now, <laughs> the conundrum is, you know, it's been almost a year now since I, since I went through a situation that I didn't know if I'd come out of alive. It's been close to a year. It's pretty amazing. God has given me life that I didn't, wasn't, didn't think I'd have. 
but yet I still look for a different country. Hallelujah. Oh, I, I'm enjoying myself. I'm enjoying this extra life that I get. But nevertheless, all it's really done is caused me to have a, a deeper desire to go to that country. I had an opportunity to return, and I returned, but, but yet I seek a better country whose builder and maker is God. I desire a better country that is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. <sighs> you know, when I get to heaven, I would like to hear God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That would be nice to hear. But you know what I'd rather hear him say? Here's, here's the thing I'd rather hear him say. You know, there are going to be people that get there, and they're going to say, didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we heal the sick in your name? Didn't we do mighty miracles in your name? And you know what God will say to them? I didn't know you. What I would like for him to say is not just what I told you before. I would like to hear him say, I know your name. Like they were singing about I want him to say, he knows me. That's the most important thing is that he knows me. Oh, I want to know him, but I want him to know me. Now, I know he knows even the hairs that fall from my head. He's aware of that, but does he know me? Have he and I, do we have a relationship with each other? Amen? Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. I want him to say, he's my son. I know his name. Hallelujah. For he hath prepared for them a city. There's that city again. God has prepared for us a city. Hallelujah. That has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. We're looking for a city not made with hands. Oh, and then this chapter goes on and it goes on and it goes. It's really wonderful. But the point is that all of these people operated in faith. Now, I've on purpose skipped verse number one, so I can't just, I can't just not read verse number one. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You see, you and I, watch this. Faith is not a religious preference. You know, I, there's people who are Muslims, there's people who are Hindus, there's Confucius, there's Baha'is, there's all these kinds of people, and they say, well, that's my, what, of what faith are you? I'm not talking about that. That's not faith. That's not faith. That's religious preference. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the material of things that are not seen. The things which are seen are made of things which do not appear. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. By it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, they understood that the worlds were framed by the word of God and that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. You and I need to live in a realm where we're not, we're more aware of things which aren't apparent, which aren't seen, but we because out of, but out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks, and we speak things into existence that aren't there. You need, you need something in your life that isn't there. Don't try to find it. 
by using things that are seen to obtain it. Now, a pill or money or pleasure, those are all things which are apparent. But do you need something that money can't buy, that pills can't fix, and that pleasure can't satisfy? Then you need to speak into existence, come into partnership with heaven, and say, thy kingdom come. Let's pull out of heaven things into this earth. Do you need a healing in your body? Well, don't go to the doctor for that healing. Ask the Lord for that healing because that's where it will come from. I've heard stories of people who are, have literally spoken new organs into people. Oh, you say, well, now you're going way off the deep end. Well, join me. It's fun. Jump in. The water's fine. You know what? You and I need to live in the impossible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, if I wouldn't have had an audacious great-grandfather, I wouldn't be standing in front of you today. Because he had, he had a little five- or six-year-old boy who was a, what do you call waterhead? Hydrocephalic. My grandfather was that. And not only that, but he had tuberculosis. And he, 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 they carried him around on a pillow because he was so weak. He couldn't eat. He couldn't drink. His bowels wouldn't move. His head was swollen up like a, like a mongoloid. And he, he was dying. And the doctor said to his, his mother, to my great-grandmother, she said, just let this one go. You're young. You'll have more kids. Let this one go. But my grandpa, who had just, who had just come out of the Prussian army and just found Jesus as his Savior on his way home from a bar one night, with still a bottle of schnapps in his pocket, fell down on his knees and gave his heart to Jesus. And he didn't know any better. And he didn't know that you're not supposed to do this way. And so when he saw this little boy dying, he went into his room and he said, don't bother me until I come out. And he prayed to God and said, God, what, what, is, what do you got against me? I, I, I've given you my life. I've given you my family. What's wrong with this? What's wrong with me dedicating my children to you? Did, don't you like what I gave you? And now you're just going to let him die like this? And he prayed with fervency of prayer. And you know what? My grandfather came back to life. And within three weeks, his head shrunk to its normal size. He grew up to be a healthy man. He knew three or four languages. He was strong as a horse. And he had ten children. And one of those children is my dad. Now, if, if he wouldn't, if my great-grandfather wouldn't have had faith, I wouldn't be here. And this is what I'm talking to you about. Believe for the impossible. Speak into existence things that don't exist yet. You can do this. Every single one of you can do this because he's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. And, and you just cannot take excuses for an answer. Don't listen to anybody's excuses. Hallelujah. Now, guess what? My great-grandfather and my grandfather both died. But I don't worry about that because so did Lazarus. So even somebody that Jesus raised from the dead died. So that's no biggie to me. The thing is that it can be done. The thing is that you can live in faith, and that's what God wants you to do because without that, it's impossible to please him. Do you want to please God? Start being a person of faith. Start believing for the impossible and never let go of the promise. Never let go of the promise. 
These all died in faith, not having seen the promise, but they looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. And to this day, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And you know what they're saying to us? Don't give up. Don't give up. Press into it. Press into it. Let's see this happen again. Let's see Hebrews 11 happen again in 2023. Hallelujah. And when you pray for your kids, you know what I pray for my kids? I pray for my kids until Jesus is returned. Hallelujah. And I don't give up. Some of them act a little bit peculiar, but I don't give up. Because I don't see the peculiarity. I see God's promise in their life. I see what God wants them to do. Don't you laugh. Don't you laugh until you look in the mirror. <laughs> but your kids, God loves them too. And he has a tremendous plan for your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids, which you're probably never going to see, or your great-great-grandkids. But God has a plan for them. And you, you know, now I don't necessarily, he's a little a bit of an odd fella to me, but Jesse Duplantis, he, he said that his mother always prayed for him and one day while he was in the bar trying to have a good time drinking and hanging out with the women and stuff like that, he just he, he was in the theaters and stuff like that, and he kept he kept saying, you know, he always had this conviction. The Lord was always convicting him. Finally, he called out to God and said, God, will you get off my back? Because he wanted to have a good time, and he just couldn't seem to have a good time. He said, God, will you get off my back? And you know what God said to him? I will if your mother will get off of mine. So, that's a funny story, and I don't know if it's true, but it's got a good point, and that is that you stay on your knees for your children and never, never, never give up. Because a righteous, the prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. Hallelujah. I've gone over time, and I ask your forgiveness for that. Lord, I just thank you for your word. Oh, let faith rise up in us, oh God. May we be men and women of faith. And the way we prayed this morning and we prayed over one another, God, I pray for a mighty manifestation of outpouring of answered prayer in this place. May this be the first, the, the day of the first day of victory in so many people's lives that have been struggling for weeks and days and years. May today be a turnaround day, the start of it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. What we prayed here today, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that those things will come to pass in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We believe, we believe, and we speak into existence things that are not as though they were. Hallelujah. Pray that for each, each and every one of us. Give us new revelation. Give us new hope. Help us not to just be ordinary, but extraordinary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We believe, Lord. We stand upon your promises, and we'll never, ever let go. Come hell or high water, we'll never let go. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And 
you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You, you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You'll bring forth fruit in every season. Your leaf will not wither. And whatsoever you do will prosper. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and who is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and honor and dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. Love one another. Go from this place. Go in victory and in triumph in Jesus' name. Amen? Hallelujah. Done until 